Well, hi there, everybody. It is a very wet and rainy day here at KPL Studios. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or if you want to send a message through the KPL app chat. Uh, this being uh, a local news station, uh, and I do like to focus on the news, even though there's a lot of my opinion involved, there's no opinion here. We are looking at some severe weather on the way. Uh, we have reports, and I've actually been searching up and have seen that uh, Houston, Texas, it's part of a band of storms that uh, Houston, Texas, it's part of a band of storms that uh, that is headed this way. It's part of the reason for the severe weather. We're expecting the afternoon and evening hours uh, to get a lot harsher in terms of weather. Pulling up the radar right now. Of course, my computer has decided to be as slow as possible. We are seeing this band of storms right at the edge of the Texas border and headed our way. Uh, Very slick roads out there, so do be careful as you are driving. Uh, It's wet but relatively quiet here at the studio right now. Some wind blowing, but as you heard in the weather report, we are expecting some gusts to get uh, pretty powerful. So do be careful there. Like I mentioned during the traffic, we've got a vehicle accident with injuries. That's at Ambassador Caffrey at Tucker Drive. That was just after 3 o'clock. So chances are with it being wet and rainy and now a traffic incident, traffic is going to be moving slowly in that area and kind of around uh, around the Acadiana area. So please, please be careful out there. Um. Okay. For those of you who are listening to the podcast version of this show, this is the weather and traffic for Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. For the rest of you, here is the biggest story of the day. As it turns out, I'm not entirely sure who doesn't have or former Vice President Mike Pence home. Uh, Vice President or former Vice President Mike Pence today uh did inform the Department of Justice and the National Archives that classified materials were located in his home. Now, apparently, Pence sent a lawyer with security clearance to his home to inspect documents, inspect things over there, and turned up classified materials. Now, it's important to note that in an ABC News interview a while back, Mike Pence did tell David Muir of ABC News uh, there would be no reason for anyone to take classified documents from the White House. He did say that, and Vice President Alive, there isn't a former president or former vice president alive. There isn't a former president or former vice president alive today that is not that is currently not wondering what they've got at their house. I imagine that Barack Obama probably has somebody going through his stuff. Uh, Hillary Clinton is supposed to leave secured areas. Supposed to leave secured areas. But they seem to be leaving secured areas. And that's not a defense of Trump or defense of Biden or any or Pence or anybody like that. It's still wrong what they're doing. And that is the standard. Like I've said before, that is the standard that's been set 
by the Biden administration, the mishandling of classified documents, it doesn't matter the classification of those classified documents. The fact of the matter is they mishandled them. According to the Biden administration's own standards, Donald Trump and Mike Pence and Joe Biden himself, by their own standard, they won't admit it, but by their own standard, all three have have done something wrong. There is a difference between the Trump situation and the Biden and the Pence situation. Trump took troves of documents with them. He claims he declassified them. He also claims that the big problem between him and the National Archives is that he turned everything in that the National Archives requested. The National Archives said no. Joe Biden discovered something, turned it over to the National Archives and the Department of Justice, and then kept quiet about it for months. Mike Pence discovers it. Mike Pence sends a lawyer with security clearance to his house in Indiana, finds it, discloses it immediately. The public knows about it immediately. I imagine, like I said, there's some senators, there's some House members, there's some people all around the U.S. government who have classified documents that are not in a secured location. Again, not a defense of anybody, but I'm willing to bet that it happens way more than people think. And it kind of negates the case against Trump. It really kind of does. And I know some people don't want to hear that. Some people are very, very... Uh, they're very, very sure that, you know, that it's an airtight case against Trump. He was, you know, he took all these documents. He didn't hand them over. He had these classified documents. There's a problem. The federal statute itself regarding this requires that for a politician, you have to prove intent to deprive the U.S. government of these documents. It's not a gross mishandling thing. That's for government employees. That's for government contractors. For politicians, the people who get access to it because they are elected, elected to these positions, they get access to it because of their position, not because they are hired by the government to do so. You have to prove that there is intent to deprive the U.S. government of these documents. And it's very clear Mike Pence did not intend for those documents to be in his home. He did not intend to take those with him. It's, I think, pretty clear that Joe Biden just forgot. He's not been himself for the last several years, dating back to the Obama administration. Kind of been losing it. Donald Trump, in that regard, can continue to claim, I turned over everything I, 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 that you guys wanted I did not intend to deprive you of anything. I sincerely thought I gave you everything, and it's going to be very hard to prove that intent. Now, the reason this story is important is because people are desperately looking for a way to deflect off of Biden. They think that by going to Pence, it's going to be a deflection. The problem is Biden, again, hit it for two months and has not been transparent about the process. And the wording is very, very Precise. The terminology used is classified materials. And classified materials doesn't mean a single document. 
A classified material is not a single document. A classified material can be anything marked classified. It can be a box with classified written in Sharpie on it. So you could be looking at anything from a half dozen to a couple hundred documents, depending on where the classified material is and what and what it is. So we still don't know fully what Joe Biden has, how classified it was, what the classification was, anything like that. We have an idea of what Trump's was because the Department of Justice was so quick to leak it all out. But today you have the story about Mike Pence. And it's not going to be something that deflects from Biden. And it's not going to be something that hurts Trump. In fact, if you look at some of the most recent 2024 polling, Trump's numbers are going up. The Biden thing has actually helped Trump, it seems. We don't know that for certain. Don't know the, the, the exit, don't, don't know the specific questions or anything on that. But since this story about Biden has broke, broken, words, they're important. I need to remember to use words properly. Since the Biden document story has broken, Trump's numbers have started going up. He's back over Ron DeSantis now. That's another thing that has people kind of worried. But you also have to remember, this is a story that isn't going away for Biden. Just because they found these documents at Pence's house, journalists still want to know why the Biden administration didn't say anything, why they hid it for two months, and why the White House has been lying and gaslighting them. See, journalists lean to the left. But when their own side in politics, in the in the Oval Office, in Congress, when they start getting lied to by the people they consider their allies, consciously or subconsciously, they start to get mad and they start to ask questions. And that's what's happening here. The document story isn't going away, but it could get worse. All right, let's take a quick break. We will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show in just a moment. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the program. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat. About to check those here over the break. We'll be back after this break here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also send a message through the KPL app chat. Uh, I want to move on real quick. Uh, again, it, it's just been one of those busy days where there is a lot to talk about. Uh, over uh, Very recently, um, the Department of Energy released its report on the Keystone XL pipeline. Now, this is actually a requirement uh, that was put into the infrastructure bill that Joe Biden signed. The Republicans managed to get this requirement in where the department, uh, the, the government would have to release reports on uh, on uh, various projects uh, that the government was, was making decisions about. This was, um, let me find the direct, uh, successfully inserted this into a bill mandating a report from, of course, there's a pop-up. I hate the internet. Whoever invented pop-up ads needs to uh, needs to be uh, fired from everything. Like, never hold a job again. This is, uh, it, it required a report within 90 days, basically, 
of uh, on on the effects of the Infrastructure Investment Jobs Act and and related issues. Uh, so this report comes out from the Department of Energy. Finally, the page loads. It's, the computer's acting up. I'm sorry. Uh, the report details. Remember, the Keystone XL pipeline was projected to bring about 10,000 jobs to America. The report says the Keystone XL project would have created between 16,149 and 59,000 jobs and would have had a positive economic impact of between 3.4 and 9.6 billion, citing various studies. A previous report from the federal government published in 2014, determined 3,900 direct jobs and 21,050 total jobs could be created during construction, which was expected to take two years. However, immediately after taking office in January 2021, Biden canceled the we're, we're lowering and then it went back down and Biden was saying, hey, we're, we're, we're lowering energy prices. Not really what happened. He didn't lower the energy prices. And he's because energy prices have actually dropped, inflation dropped. That's one of the other things that people aren't really admitting very loudly. A big part of the reason that in that inflation is cooling is because energy prices have gone down. Well, now they're going up again. And if we had the Keystone XL pipeline, there would be hundreds of thousands of barrels worth of crude oil that would be coming into America daily for production. This would be a very huge thing for the United States and would be really helpful in terms of energy independence and trying to get our energy dependence away from the Middle East and Russia and all these other places that sell us this oil with little regard to any sort of climate impact. But now we're under an energy crisis. We have a global energy crisis. A lot of European countries are going back on their word that they gave in the Paris Accords. And they're starting to use coal again because they don't have the energy to keep their people warm during winter. The Keystone XL pipeline could have made us a net exporter once again. Crude oil coming in from Canada being... Uh, produced in the United States, being shipped out from the United States, but that never happened. Why? Because Joe Biden came in and there were two ideologies guiding him. The first was that orange man bad. Anything Donald Trump did had to be reversed by Joe Biden. That's what they came into office doing. The second is the far left environmentalism group crowd guiding a lot of his policies. And now those policies are coming home to roost and Americans are suffering because of it. All right, let's take this bottom of the hour news break. We've got our news. We've got a look at the commodities report, all that and more. And I'll be back with some more talk about this crazy Democratic ad that came out yesterday. I talked about it yesterday. There's some more that's coming out. Democrats aren't very happy. Have all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or you can reach out through the KPL app chat. Um, I, I continue to be kind of in awe of that political ad I played for y'all yesterday, the, the, the Katie Barnhart 
ad. Uh, it's, I think, apparently now getting to TV. It's a one-minute ad, and it's ostensibly to introduce the Team Louisiana pack. There's a bit of a problem, though. Um, there's a lot of Democrats in the Louisiana Democratic Party who are not happy about it. Uh, the big concern is over who's bankrolling it. Uh, Anthony Murillo is a uh, wealthy political donor and has bankrolled other political action committees. The problem is, as some Democrats are pointing out on social media, uh, he's bankrolled packs that have run ads against Democrats. And they're not happy about that. Uh, one member of the uh, Democratic State Central Committee is pointing out on social media that Merlo's PAC uh, has donated to Jeff Landry. Uh, so the guy who is paying for a Katie Bernhardt ads has been a major contributor to Jeff Landry. Something smells rotten here, followed by a poop emoji. So you know they're serious when the emojis are out. As I mentioned yesterday... Uh, Gary Chambers told Jeremy Alford at Law Politics that people have approached him and said, you need to run. And I think that this I, I'd always suspected Chambers wanted to run for governor. In fact, I've, I've mentioned to y'all before that I think that Chambers ran for the Senate in order to build. Uh, in order to build a statewide campaign to be able to run for governor, but. The problem is that he didn't really have much success in the U.S. Senate, so it, it became kind of unclear if he was going to do that. It, but now he seems like he's motivated to get in. And keep in mind that Bernhardt uh, is the person who got the uh, Democrat, the state Democratic Party, to endorse all three. Democratic Senate candidates in 2022 when Chambers says that most of the Central Committee backed him, but instead she allegedly is the one who forced the state party to endorse all three as a means of unity or whatever. But the problem is when you endorse all three, you can't really support one. You can't unify your base behind them. And he confronted her about that. He accused her of making uh a pretty prejudiced remark saying something along the lines of a black candidate will never win statewide in Louisiana. And he uh, was very bitter over that. It would not surprise me if even just out of spite, he ran for governor just to try to go after her. Uh, but you've got, uh, again, this member of the uh, Democratic State Central Committee uh, has tweeted out uh, that the person behind this Team Louisiana PAC, Anthony Morello, has contributed money to uh, Jeff Landry. Has also, uh, or his his People Over Politics uh, PAC, uh, has contributed against other Democrats like Adrian Perkins for Shreveport Mayor. Uh, so there is again that deal here. What's what's the game here? Now again. That ad, which has started airing, 
is not an announcement for governor. She can't do that. The ad was paid for by a PAC. She cannot coordinate with that PAC to announce her campaign. She has to have her own campaign release an ad where she's announcing for governor. But everybody's assuming this is basically the first uh, the first shots fired declaring that she's going to run for governor. It's introducing her. It's not introducing the PAC. It really didn't do much to introduce the PAC. It was just framed to look like it was, so they would kind of skirt around the rules. But really, it was about introducing her. See, there are very strict laws about political action committees and candidates. You cannot have direct coordination between the two. Highly illegal. So oftentimes when PACs release ads that feature the candidate, it's always some voiceover that it's always some voiceover over silent video of the candidate talking to people or sitting at a desk or pointing to something off in the distance. And it's never something that features the candidate's voice. There's a reason for that. Candidates will, especially at the federal level, not so much at the state level, but at the federal level, candidates own YouTube channels will put out high quality, what's called B-roll. It's just footage of the candidate doing mundane things. And they put it on their YouTube channel. And then the packs go in and they download that high quality video because they can't get it sent to them directly from the, from the candidate from the politician, they download it themselves and they use that in their ads. Because you, again, cannot show that coordination between the candidate or the politician and a PAC. That the PAC cannot work with that person. So it's very clear in this ad, she was working with this PAC. It's her voiceover, it's her introducing herself, but she makes no reference to governor. She cannot. But everyone is treating it as though it is the opening salvo. It is the uh, it is the introduction to her campaign for governor. And a lot of other Democrats, it looks like, just going by what I'm seeing on social media from other Democrats around the state, they're not happy about it. And there's a lot of reasons to not be happy, not to rehash too much of what I was saying yesterday. But keep in mind, the Republicans currently have four candidates. And while three of those candidates don't have a whole lot of money behind them right now, and Jeff Landry is the most the second most popular Republican in the state right now behind John Kennedy and Kennedy's not running. And because the state Republican Party is openly backing Jeff Landry. Jeff Landry's got about $7.5 million so far that he can use to run this campaign. The other candidates don't have that much money, but the other candidates can take advantage of any disgruntled feelings that some Republicans may have toward Jeff Landry. I know that there are some out there who do uh, disapprove of Landry for whatever reason, but they are otherwise good Republicans. Um They can take advantage of that. They can take advantage of undecideds. They can draw enough to force Landry into a runoff, which under normal circumstances might benefit the Democrat unless you have multiple Democrats running. And this goes back to a problem I've been mentioning for the state Democratic Party for a while. 
the usual folks in charge of the largely white, largely trial lawyer types have done nothing for the black voters and black politicians in the party or have done just enough to keep them temporarily happy at times. But black voters are 66% of the Democratic Party. They are one-third of the state voter base overall, but two-thirds of the the Democratic Party's base. And they're tired of being neglected despite having overwhelming numbers. So they really, really, really want one of their own to become a major candidate, which gives you, I don't know, Dr. Sean Wilson, Gary Chambers, somebody like that. The problem is Gary Chambers needs a lot more support and a lot more money. He had money problems in the U.S. Senate race. I still think he built up enough name ID in the state to make a feasible run for governor. I think he has more name ID than Katie Bernhardt, most assuredly. Her own ad said, who are you? And she had to explain who she was and wasn't even quite honest about that. Because if she were being honest, she would have, she, she would have said, I'm the chairwoman of the state Democratic Party. But she didn't. There's something going on here. I don't know if she's going to declare. Everybody's expecting that she is declaring, and this is the opening shot to that. But there are a lot of disgruntled Democrats behind the scenes. And, you know, at the hayride, there was a column today. uh, The Democrats are destroying the state. But at the same time, I don't know that the Democrats aren't destroying themselves. They're having a pretty tough time right now. And if this gives way to some sort of mini Democratic civil war, who knows? Now, we'll tell you this. You know, every so often I'm I'm on uh, Acadiana's Morning News on Wing and Wednesday. I haven't been on for several weeks. Uh, was supposed to be on last Wednesday, but like you, I told you guys, I had to take my daughter to surgery. I wasn't able to be on. Uh, I'll be appearing every once in a while with Stephen Handwerk, uh, former Democratic. Uh, he's still a Democratic strategist, but uh, formerly with the Louisiana Democratic Party. He's going to join me on Thursday. We're going to talk about this and some other issues just because I like getting his perspective. But I'm willing to bet if you talk to a lot of Democrats in the state, a lot of them who pay attention to the party politics and everything, they're not going to be too happy when the, when the name of Katie Bernhardt comes up. Because she's kind of throwing a wrench into everything else. All right, 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. When we come back, we have, geez, so much more to try to get into. Um did you know Tom Brady might be heading to Miami? I don't know. He's he, he was actually spotted touring uh <laughs> he was spotted touring some uh some private schools in Miami, which is making some people wonder if perhaps that's where he's headed. All right, so let's take this break. I will be back here in just a moment right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. So a story that spread like wildfire yesterday. Um, Turns out it was all over as, as satire. 
Um, so there was the story about uh, a trans group that was uh, calling Aretha Franklin's a natural woman uh, transphobic. Said it, it perpetuated anti-trans stereotypes. There's no such thing as a natural woman, etc. And the New York Post ran a story on it. The Daily New, the uh, the Daily Mail ran a story on it. Uh, Sky News, several outlets ran stories on it. Interestingly, the ones that you think would be the quickest to jump on it, the Daily Wire and Fox News, were the only ones who reached out to the group to ask about it. All these other media outlets just jumped on the story. And the group had to come out and say, hey, by the way, this was satire. Now, the New York Post in their writing is kind of hinting that, well, they waited, they waited a suspiciously long time to declare that they were satire. The account is brand new. The account was launched on like January 20th, which is four days ago. Um, <laughs> so... You gotta pay attention. I I tweeted something that was a fa- that was from a fake account earlier today, and I was mad at myself over it. But the the tweet in question, the 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 trans outrage tweet, was also written in a way that was entirely believable. That's what good satire is. But this was like too good, and it made a lot of people think it was real. The tweet I retweeted, if I had paid attention to the name, I would have known something, but I did not pay proper attention. One of the problems that the media has overall, and and they do it a lot in looking for things to, because you know you know the the phrase if it bleeds it leads right, but it's not just the bleeding; it's the outrage of something that's been made to bleed because of an act, a violent act or whatever. Well, now words are violent, so if somebody says something mean and hateful, and and they do all this, they say something that's incredibly racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, or whatever. The media jumps on that and tries to spin this into some outrageous, clickable story. And the problem the media runs into on a nearly constant basis, media left and right, is that they often latch onto these small accounts that barely have any followers, that have no social media influence whatsoever. Not enough people even see the tweets, but the tweets get amplified by these reporters who are trying to gin up this conspiracy for clicks. So this group that says, Aretha Franklin's You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, phenomenal song, by the way, this group that says, well, this is anti-trans perpetuation of stereotypes. Well, as it turns out, the group was a parody group. It was a fake group. And (laughs) check your sources, people. Please check your sources. All right, we've got time for one quick call before we head out for the day. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Yes, Renee. Hey, Renee, how are you? Okay. I I guess uh, I'm on there. Yes, you are. We got about 40 seconds left. Okay, well, I want to say that the uh, whatever did that happen to the Democrat Party in the 60s, you, you could keep having a different flavor of a Democrat. It's always going to regress back to the fanaticism of, if it's not climate change, it might be using your own 
don't know, feces for gardening. They're always, they're on the edge. I mean, they're bad for the country and themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. I unfortunately have to wrap it up. that. Thank you as always, Renee. Uh, yeah, the, the, it's the fringiest of the fringe and what's starting to worry a lot of people and worry a lot of voters is that the fringiest of the fringe are becoming the mainstream voices and they're hijacking their sides. And the left has some very crazy crazies. The right does too, but the lefts are, man, the lefts are very out there. All right, that's it for me. 23 hours until I'm back. Please, you guys, stay safe in this weather. Be careful driving. Big storm still headed our way. I'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Check me out. Check out the podcast version of the show on JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. All my writings are there. Shannon is offsides with Old School Nerd next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.